Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, on Twitter, you know where to find us. The Pride of Detroit PODcast brought to you through the wonderful devices of Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. This is the Pride of Detroit PODcast for everything you need about the Detroit Lions, absolute goddamn nonsense and being a Detroit Lions fan, or at least in the vicinity of such, depending on what you might call yourself at this given moment. I am Chris Perfett, your adequate host. Given all of the mistakes made and blunders given as I am here trying to spin dials and plates and everything else keeping this boat afloat, things happen. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader of Pride of Detroit, is here at Detroit Online is where you can find him on Twitter. Hello, Jeremy. How's it going, Christopher? Do you mind if I call you Christopher? I don't think yes. I've ever called you Christopher. Yes, I do. Okay, Absolutely I'll call you Christopher. Name. Oh. <clears throat> and as always, the third man, Ryan Matthews. Black is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D that rounds out the gang. How's it going, Ryan? It's going well, going well. Happy to Is be on though? the podcast. Uh, I mean, yeah. You don't want to let anything out right now? No, no. The only thing I want to let out is some lion stock. Give the people what they I like want. It. I feel like, though, in the sense of everyone has been doing these things, we need to start on Game of Thrones. Even though we have nothing to do with Game of Thrones, the internet demands we talk about Game of Thrones or something. I don't know. All I know is that show's over, so we no longer have to make that appeal. I, I want to congratulate Jeremy for not giving into that. I mean, granted, we know Jeremy never watched the show. He doesn't seem to watch anything anyway. I mean, <laughs> what? you're coming at me with this hostility. I'm the TV king. How dare you? Were you watching Barry? Is that is that it? I don't if, know. If I had HBO, I would be watching Barry. Okay, so the, the big thing season. is you just don't have HBO. Correct. Either way, I was, I was, I'm not coming with you hostile. I'm congratulating you because not once in this godforsaken shows, how many years did Game of Thrones run? Uh, Ryan, Jeremy, nine years, ten years, I think something, years. almost a decade. Yeah, and something we've like had, years. and we've had Pride of Detroit under our control since uh, I would say about half of that run now, ish, ish, ish. And yet not once, especially when the show reaches beaver pitch, did you ever stoop to writing a Lions Game of Thrones crossover article? <laughs> I, th- I think we need to all give ourselves a round of applause for doing that. We really do. Did John didn't try to sneak in one, did he? He almost thought about it with question of the day on Monday, but thought better of it. I, I'm going to say we you know what? The, the bigger thing, too, is like we even survive people wanting to make that whole, you know, the Lions are the kings in the north kind of well, reference to I was going to say if the Lions had ever won the division during that that reign of that TV show we probably would have been in trouble. <laughs> we we would have probably come up with something then. But we yeah. didn't and the Lions didn't, which is bittersweet and sad and depressing, but you know what? The culture survives. But speaking of bitter, sad and depressing, what do we got on Guess today's what? show? Chris? Guess what? It's the off season, the draft is over, which means I'm back in this hot seat. Uh, busy as hell, but do not believe for a second that I would miss starting off the inaugural edition of the 2019 Wayback Machine. Excuse me. 
people have been waiting a whole year for that, where we stave off the boredom and depression of the offseason to talk to you about the boredom and depression of a <laughs> lion season gone awry. This is where we go back with a whole year, with a whole six months now of expertise and wisdom and broader picture in front of us to look at what exactly the hell happened for each game in the 2018 Detroit Lions season. And Ryan, you know what that means? What does that mean, Chris? It means we have to start with probably the dutiest duty that was ever dropped on the floor here. Jeremy's got a new dog, by the way, so I just want to put that on his head. Appreciate that. Be ready to clean that crap up. Literal crap. New York Jets 48, Detroit Lions 17 on the opening. Was this yeah, the Monday Night Football, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. Sir. On the opening first game of the year, Monday Night Football, as Sam Darnold, fresh green baby face Sam Darnold, literally wearing green, comes in, throws a pick six on his first play and then immediately jacks up his power, goes Super Saiyan 3, and annihilates the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions, led by fresh new coach wunderkind Matt Patricia, with a supposedly improving Matt Stafford and, every, and all of the weapons at his disposal, crushed in probably the most embarrassing opening game I have ever seen from this Detroit Lions team. That's at uh, least our impression. We have a whole season in front of us, and I think the big question we're going to have to answer is how indicative of this was. Like, this is still a this is still a puzzle of a game, right, Ryan? I know you want to chime in here. Like this this is a very confusing game. Uh, it's a very confusing game from the sense that I don't think expectations could have been any higher after Quandre Diggs' interception <laughs> return for a touchdown. I don't think that there could have been a way that you could have you want to talk about game of thrones you want to talk about disappointment okay like there's no way you could have written this lion script any more disappointingly than having maybe the most exciting moment of the season happen within the first 20 seconds of the season and then for everything else to just pale in comparison and to feel like disappointment like i don't even think the high of the lions knocking off the patriots in the fashion that they did matched the high in the ecstasy of digs returning that you're you're returning that you know pick for a touchdown i think unbridled optimism doesn't even begin to describe how lions fans were feeling like lions twitter was literally in honolulu blue flames and we were we were coronating we were coronating a king that's for sure i think you also have to put this in perspective of of what lions fans were going through at the time because remember they were coming off a really embarrassing preseason where there wasn't any signs of optimism anywhere, and everyone was like, uh, "Oh, whoop, my lamp just fell down." Um, dog, dog, <laughs> blame it on the dog. The dog. Uh, but like, everyone was freaking out about the team, and you know there was a certain subset of, of fans. I was probably one of them. Was like, eh, "The preseason doesn't matter." And it, you know, I wouldn't worry about any of this. And then when that play happens, everyone's like, the preseason is bullshit. This team's going to be amazing. <laughs> and then the rest of the game happened. And then what happened? Then what happened? We see Matt Stafford throw four interceptions in this game. Sam Darnold, meanwhile, throws two touchdowns while Isaiah Crowell punches two more in on the ground. I, uh, oh, holy God, I don't think anything could have gone worse. I really it was, don't. It was. I mean, it couldn't have gone. I mean, this. You talked at the at the top about how poopy poop poop. This was this was the birth of the third quarter, and and my that god, was my this, phrase. Yes, and I I went back and watched this game today just to. I don't know. <laughs> I I why? immediately regretted Good it. God, I, why? Don't say I never do anything for this podcast, listeners. All right, uh, <laughs> but. It, it's hard to fathom a situation in which you lead off the second half by tying the game with the touchdown, and by the end of the third quarter, you're down 30 points. How is that possible? I watched it happen, and I'm not sure how it's possible. It, like, it was just a perfect storm of everything going wrong, and, and a lot of them were signs of things to come. A lot of them were just kind of like, wow, this is just a, a perfect shitstorm that... that won't ever happen again, but you know, there was, 
I, I think my favorite segment of plays, and I mentioned this on Twitter, was Lions are already down like 28 points or something. Third and seven in field goal range. Throw to Golden Tape. Perfect throw. Drops it. Next play, 44-yard field goal. Shanks it. Next play, four-yard run for the Jets. Next play, 61-yard run for the Jets. So just like three out of four plays, the worst possible outcome. And by the end of it, the lines are out of it before the third quarter is even over. Let me let me do one thing real quick here. And because this is the magic of podcasting and will be inserted later, Jeremy and Ryan will not hear it. But I am going to insert right now a piece from, and I'm making promises I, I probably can't keep because... <laughs> I, I have to go back. We we moved like podcast platforms in the middle of the 2018 season, but I have here some audio of us discussing this game. I'm going to play two minutes of that, and we'll be right back here. Oh, I mean, that's a hard, a hard thing to say, but man, I can't remember the last time my fandom was challenged like this. Like the Jets just ran at, at their own will. It was it was disgusting. Yeah, early on, like they they were absolutely gifted with some good yardage. I'm um, a good good starting positions, no doubt. But like, yeah, there there's no reason for this front seven to look this bad. There's no reason, like, okay, Quandre Diggs, can we excuse him from this, or do we like because he, yes, or, or, he's excused. Okay, him and Quandre, Quandre Diggs might be the best player on the roster right now. Him and Kenny Galladay, you two, you're excused. You can leave the room. <laughs> Everyone else, Tavon Wilson, holy, cr- I've never seen someone give up on a coverage like that. Nevin Lawson, <laughs> Nevin so- Lawson. <laughs> Tavon Wilson has been spending a little bit too much time with Nevin Lawson because on that long touchdown, he was there. He was in the right play to make the, the, the play. He turned his head and he couldn't make the play on the ball. It was in his hands. That's awful. That's despicable. That's not football. Whatever the hell that was, that wasn't football. That wasn't the Detroit Lions out there I saw last night. Okay. With all that in mind, and all of what we talked about before that clip in mind, Jeremy and Ryan, we now have had 16 games of 2018, 15 more games after that Jets loss. And I want to know, as we saw the trends pale out, where the Lions, how the Lions, went the rest of the year and how they performed both on offense and on defense. How, I mean, this game obviously by the score alone was a massive, massive outlier. The Lions did not suffer a loss this bad probably for the rest of the year. And as you will see from some of our other clips, we, we kind of talked ourselves back and forth on and off the, the bandwagon for the Lions, as it were, especially with the Patriots game coming up in a few weeks. But what did the Jets figure out that became that? What, what did we learn from the Lions here that was indicative and characteristic of the Lions for the rest of the year? I have the perfect answer for this. Okay. Let, let's look at the Lions' first offensive possession. So first play is an incomplete pass. They get bailed out by a pass interference play. Let's throw that one away. First down now at their own 22. Hand off to LeGarrette Blunt. First run of the season. How do you think it goes? Negative. Not Negative great, seven Bob. yards. Negative seven yards. Good job. Not Ryan, great, Bob. <laughs> Next play, incomplete pass to Kenny Galladay. Third and 17. Anyone want to guess what the play call is? Draw to Theo Riddick. Draw, Draw to Theo Riddick for five yards. I literally did not know, but it was so easy because I watched the rest of the season. Yes. There, I mean, that, how could that, that drive is more indicative of, of the entire offense for the entire year. Yes, there are some good spots, and we'll get to those a couple of weeks down the road, but if, if you want a sign of, of how bad this offense struggled this year, this is exactly why. Because LeGarrette Blunt was awful. Frank Ragnow by the way, had one of the most disheartening starts to his career in this game. Obviously rebounded later in the, in the year, but rough start. And then, you know, Matthew Stafford, obviously really bad game for him in this game. Stafford looks like 2012 Matt Stafford. Yeah, and, and I, don't, I didn't think it was possible for Stafford haters to, to like have a complete turnaround that quickly because Stafford's coming off a pretty big high off of 2016. In 2017, everyone's like, Stafford, Cooter, Stafford, Cooter. This is the greatest combination of in, in Lions offensive coordinator quarterback history. And then it all goes away 
in week one, all of it. And and I think I think to compound that level of disappointment is that all of us thought we had a defensive minded coach who was going to be able to get the most out of the pieces on the defense. Right. Yes. And to see a really barren cupboard of offensive skill players and a rookie quarterback come into Ford Field on Monday night and absolutely throttle the Lions to the tune of like 4.7 yards per carry and Sam Darnold turning things around after having, you know, a, a, a maybe the worst start to that you real can quick, map out for quick. any quarterback. Yeah. Real quick, without looking, name me the Jets receiving leader in this game. It was probably. It was. I don't want to say it's Robbie Anderson, but I'm no, going to say Quincy and Nunwa. It's it had to be Quincy. He had a big. It was game, Quincy and Nunwa. Yeah, it was Quincy and Nunwa. You guys were going off of memory, but that's not the first name that probably comes to mind when I say name a Jets rece- right. <laughs> receiving leader here. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and meanwhile, Isaiah yeah. Crowell has himself a hundred yard game. Well, he had, he had like a hundred yard game, but he had what? He had one touchdown run that was for 60 two plus touchdowns. yards. He had two yep. touchdowns, one for 62. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you really saw, have, again, having watched it again, you really saw some of the weak points of that defense personnel wise. Like to me, all the guys that, that stuck out for a lot of the season stuck out for all the wrong reasons. Like Nevin Lawson didn't have a good game. Um, Ricky Jean didn't have a good game. Obviously Ricky Jean rebounded a little later. Sylvester Williams was a non-factor. Remember him? Uh, and I mean, yeah, the defense was a mess. We saw the defense be a mess in, in the preseason. I think a lot of us shook it off. I kind of always suspected the defense would struggle from the get go. I didn't think it would be this bad, but again, the line struggled on all fronts. You know, they gave up a pick six. So they gave up a punt returns to fricking uh, Andre Roberts. Is that his name? Oh, yeah, Andre, sure. Rob- Andre Roberts averaged 45.7 yards per punt return in this game. That, that was the thing. Like every part of the Lions team just did not look right. Like no, they, they it were didn't, not prepared. It, I, I don't want to say that. Yeah. Well, you said it, not me. They were not prepared at all for this game. Yeah. And it's baffling in many directions of that. And it's interesting because I think the narrative that came out of it was they they were exhausted from training camp. And that I don't buy. I don't think they were exhausted. I think they just weren't prepared. I just think the defensive scheme had not been had not clicked with a lot of these guys. I don't know what the hell happened with the offense. The offense just was not. Well, I mean, speaking of narratives that came out of this, remember in the week uh, following this game, we would hear, uh, you know, the usual reports of, oh, the Jets, the Jets players knew the signals. They, oh, right. they knew what plays right. were coming. Yep, that's true. Because and then the thought at first was like, OK, so Patricia just didn't change anything over from the Patriots or something like that. Or Cooter hadn't changed anything from the prior season, either which way the Jets players knew that. I, I am. I'm always leery when I hear those kind of reports, because you hear that every time yeah. a team gets lit up like this. True. Right. So. Yep. I'm not, I don't place as much stock in that, but I think, I mean, we, and we would argue this question, I think for the entire 2018 season is how much stock do you place in this game? Especially looking at the rest of it. You guys have laid out some good points. Uh, I, and I think the problem is like the score just makes it really hard to talk about this game. Cause again, the lions don't get, they get beat up pretty bad the rest of the season. They don't get beat up this bad though. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I think if this game would have been played 50 times over same team, same scenario, I think the Lions probably lose 35 of the 50. They were not the better team at all. But right, I think and, but it's also the amount of times they get blown out this bad is probably like two. Right, and I think this is the only t- kind of game I think can happen in week one as well because Sam Darnold, we now know in retrospect, did not have a great 2018 campaign. He did not have a game. At, I mean, his game in this wasn't even that good, but he didn't have anything close to this game since, I think. No, did he? I mean, I mean, I think he had. Like I mean, he, he wasn't. His stat line wasn't fantastic against the Lions. I mean, his completion percentage was high and, and yards per attempt were high, but I mean, he didn't really have to do much if we're being honest. He really didn't. Right? No, he had short field a lot of the time. Yep. Yeah, he, he got to work all over turnovers. It's just that he was able to get the ball where it needed to be in the in the opportunities 
he didn't waste the opportunities that was given to him. Right. That's all that, that's all that happened here. Mm-hmm. But that was a big, that was a lot of big opportunities not wasted by Sam Darnold. That's for sure. So yeah. And any final thoughts? Like I, I just, this is a rough one to start our way back machine on because it's so weird. But again, we have the knowledge now looking ahead that this wasn't a necessarily a blip, but it also wasn't the apocalypse that we thought at the time. But I think we were right at the time that this Lions team was not going places after this game. Yeah, I was maybe one of the first people to do that because I remember getting on Twitter immediately after the game. I don't even think the game had ended because, well, you know, this game ended for me when when ESPN switched from this broadcast to their late night Monday night football game in Oakland. Yeah, like there was a 31 point quarter in this game for the Jets. Like right. at that point, halfway through that, that's when you knew this game was dead. Well, ESPN ended transmission like the game literally ended before before you had a chance to see the end of it. So by then I was already on Twitter and I was chanting, you know, play dead for Ed. And the Lions couldn't even do that for me when they had the chance. So I'm (sighs) the thing that's that will kind of haunt me about this game, besides maybe Stafford's pick six that was caused by Ragnow completely letting his guy through and, and Stafford not reading the defense completely. It's just the end of the game and the Jets fans just echoing throughout Ford Field. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. The first game of the season, the lines are already getting outclassed. Not outclassed, out, whatever. Just bullied out of their, just bullied out yeah. of their own building. Bullied yeah, yeah. out of their old build. Like, I can't remember. I mean, I don't think I felt more disheartened about a season opener since the Calvin Johnson rule game in, what was that, 2010? No, something 20, like that. Yeah, yeah, I think it was 2010. And Stafford, Stafford gets injured at halftime. Calvin Johnson rule happens. Lions lose on the road to the Bears. Like this had that deep of a cut on me. And and watching it again today is just like that moment at the end where Gary Vanderchuk or whatever his name is is chanting with Fireman Ed and oh, it was rough. Yeah, man. New York is a hell of a place. And New York unfortunately came to Detroit and stomped on our pizza. That's what it is. Once again, 48-17. That's the game that was. The Wayback Machine returns now to the present. Do 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 and away from that dumpster fire. And to be honest, like dumpster fire is absolutely the right word. And we talked about the Jets taking over the building. And part of it was this kind of started a good uh, this really started a good trend, I think. Not a good trend. I, I, good's not the right word. A interesting trend of Lions fans being very quick to boo their own team, which I've always defended because I feel like it's, it's, the, it's the crowd that it is. If, if your team isn't giving you a reason to cheer for them, then there's no reason to cheer for them. But we'll, we'll see more of these themes going through the way back as you return to this each week here, it's the dead of the off season. And uh, we have more to talk about here. I know Jeremy wants to talk a little OTAs. We have some early betting numbers, which makes uh, me excited. And I'm sure it makes our Ryan's friend, Bovada King 69, very excited. And we will talk about them when we return here on the, on the fresh, fresh edition of the pride of Detroit POD cast. We will be right back. We're back again on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Thanks for sticking with us on that very awful no good wayback machine. Jeremy, you are now the official POD cast Detroit Lions insider. <laughs> Which seems odd that a Detroit Lions podcast would need an insider, but here we are. This is the thing we're doing. I know you want to talk about OTAs. I really don't. Because we talk because and I don't have my soundboard here, but we talking about practice. But you want to talk about because there's definitely some interesting positional battles coming up here. We're kind of in the middle of it. So, I mean, magic of podcasting being what it is. Try to give me your take 
on what you have seen so far and hope to see out of f- further OTA activities. Yeah, and I so, know that the A in OTA stands for activities, and I just said it twice. <laughs> OTA activities, ATM machine. Uh, no, I, I, I do kind of take a little bit of excitement in this. I certainly think it's more exciting than than mock draft season, but it, it's the first time that rookies and and veterans are all together practicing and in, in stuff that looks like football. There's still no pads, but it looks like football. And one day into OTA so far, and there's already been a little bit of a small interesting development in that the photos from day one came out and the offensive linemen were all over the place. We had Graham Glasgow at left guard and we had Graham Glasgow at right guard. We had Frank Gregg now at, at center. Um, now that, that doesn't necessarily mean these guys are going to be shuffled around. Matt Patricia said earlier in the off season that specifically, Hey, we're going to move these guys around. We're going to see where we can play them. But if you also think back to past off seasons, like when the Lions drafted Taylor Decker, he was the left tackle from day one. When the Lions drafted Frank Ragnow, he was pretty much the left guard from day one. Now we're seeing those guys get moved around a little bit. And it's a little different. And you have to wonder, is this just a difference in coaching now that the Lions have a new offensive coordinator, now that Matt Patricia may be a little more comfortable with where he is as a head coach? Or is something going to happen? Because I think we've all kind of assumed that right guard spot is up for grabs. But what if, what if they move Graham Glasgow? What if Graham Glasgow is right guard? What if Frank Ragnow is center? Now left guard's up for grabs. And how will that change the camp battle? I'm pretty interested in that. I would love to see them kind of think outside of the box and fixing their offensive line problem. Because I think we're all pretty clear here that the Lions have four starters on the offensive line. It's just where's that fifth starter and, and what position will be will he be playing? Um, so I think early news, that's the one thing that I'm excited about. Um, Ryan, do you have something that you're excited about with OTAs? I mean, you you have to know what I'm really excited about. Backup no, quarterback? This is to make for good podcasting <laughs> for us to guess your your mind. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was just going to talk over whenever Jeremy decided to chime in, but it's T's Tabor getting an interception. <laughs> he did. He got an interception in the highlight reel. That's it. I'm sold. That, that's T's Tabor, it. cornerback that's number it. two. He's back. He's not dead yet. There, there is this contingent of fans that actually think that T's Tabor could, could bounce back this year. And, and man, I, I, I wish I could be that kind of fan. You know, like... That that section of line Twitter that is just like hopelessly optimistic and won't say a, sad, <laughs> a bad thing. Like, I'm not trying to call anybody out. I wish I was you. Like, I wish I had that bone in my body where I could just turn everything out and be like, this is our year. Tease Tabor is going to come in and win the, the, the outside corner spot. Uh, you know, <laughs> Bo Benshaw is going to start from week one and be the best right guard in the league. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's ridiculous. However, I'm I'm the captain of this ship. All right. I'm ready for Tease Tabor to be cornerback number two and finally and finally assume the position and the role that he was supposed to take over perhaps a year ago. Um with that being said, the last thing I would ever describe myself is as hopelessly optimistic. And I, I understand where you're coming from, though, but I, like those things are mutually exclusive. Like I can be the I can along with Alex Reno, we can be the co-captains of Tease Tabor is our CB2. Yeah. And also yes, just accept the, and also just accept the faith that the Lions are going to go seven and nine. <laughs> but it won't be Fair. because of Tease Tabor's play. But the, in, in all reality. You know, in addition to that play, seeing some nice plays from Tracy Walker in that little highlight film. Sure. Yeah, cool. he did a PBU. Yeah, he got a he got a nice little pass breakup. Um, TJ Hawkinson didn't drop any passes in the video. <laughs> in the, it's weird. It. It's weird that they didn't show any drops from him in their Stop own it. manicured highlight video. Uh, I just I just crossed my fingers that we're not going to have a training camp or an OTA drop count from Carlos or or someone else in the beat writer room. Oh my! That you know that's going to happen. <laughs> it probably will. But I uh, this is going to be my first OTAs. I've never attended OTAs, so I, I am excited about that. And we get to go on Tuesday. So uh, lion 
Lions Twitter burns to the ground when TJ Hawkinson drops a pass. <laughs> and if like only. and like and like the Phoenix, it'll be reborn from the ashes, except like there's gonna be a lot there's gonna be people are gonna be a lot more patient with him than I think Eric Ebron. Hmm. Well, I wonder why I mean th- there's that and I'm pretty sure based on my limited reaction, limited interaction with TJ Hawkinson, he's not going to punch back when the, if, when the lines start punching him, he doesn't have that kind of personality. That's disappointing. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, can we move Shall we move on to, uh, to Vegas? Sure. Let's, let's do it. All right. Well, Ryan, I'm going to bring you in here, and I know your friend Bovada King 69 who is absolutely not you, but a close acquaintance of yours, is interested to know this. And Jeremy, you put this out today from CG Technology that we have early betting lines from the 2019 season for the first 15 games of the season. And the big headline is the Lions right now are only favored in just two of those games. They're favored against the Giants, and they are favored uh, against the Bucks. against against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Both those games, I believe, at home. Yep, they're in Detroit. Yep, and uh, they're on the road to the Cardinals. That game is actually a pick, but everything else you will have to you will be getting points if you bet the Lions. Uh, L.A. by four, Philadelphia plus is. Uh, Minus eight, Kansas City minus seven, seven and a half for Green Bay, so on and so forth on down the road. Even the Raiders are favored by three points right now. That one and sticks in my craw. That, oh. that, I'm sure that sticks in your craw. I'm sure that's going to stick in there really hard. Uh, my initial reaction, Ryan, Jeremy, when I see this is that I don't make too much out of this because I know that the only one that matters is that week one lie. Because after that, after the week one games, expectations get reset. Uh, sometimes that week two stuff bleeds in, but then after that, we are making lo- Vegas is making lines dependent upon what they know from the season and the preseason. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I do find it interesting. It's it's kind of an outlook as to, and we know that Vegas lines are more for trying to get action on even sides, but even sides are basically saying that this is what the Lions are going to be, that if they win, that a lot of these games are going to be uh, upsets if the Lions are winning them. Yeah, and I I think this also is a nice, like, sobering reminder for Lions fans that not everyone shares their sense of optimism in the offseason. Not everyone drinks the Kool-Aid. Not, and then and it's important for, for Lions fans to see that, even though I'm sure they're sick of it by now because we see it every offseason. But I think the thing that really surprises me the most about these odds are not that the Lions are only favored in two games. That that shouldn't come as a surprise to really anyone considering the reputation that this team has and the year that they came off of. But like just some of the big lines, like Chiefs by seven in Detroit, Eagles by I mean, eight? I, I, I expect that for Kansas City because Kansas City is kind of even without... Uh, Probably what's going to happen to them without Tyreek Hill. They are still very much so the toast of toast of the league. I guess, but I, I don't know. The fact that there are four lines that are, no, five lines that are a touchdown or more, that's surprising to me. Eagles, Chiefs, Packers at home, or sorry, Packers you, on the road. It doesn't surprise me, though. Bears, I think, I think that's Vikings. less about. I think that's less about disrespect to the Lions and more about how betting in the NFL is going. I'm not going to say it's full-blown college betting, but days of being shocked by a touchdown plus line, I think are over for the NFL. They shouldn't be the majority, a very high majority of games are decided by seven points or less. I know, but 60, 65%, the way way offenses are going just in how you have to tempt some people into these lines. I think you do have to make some games and especially with how many people are pouring over these lines each week. You do have to kind of spice the pot a bit by giving a little bit more to the dog. Maybe, I, and I guess I, I would understand it for a team like the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a high explosive offense. They're capable of hanging 50 on a team. That's fine, but the Vikings aren't. The Vikings have an eight-point line against the Lions. Eight-point line for Philadelphia as well, for the Eagles. Yeah, and the Bears. Like, Bears aren't mm-hmm. really a high-scoring team either. That Those are the lines that really surprise me. 
Ryan? It doesn't surprise me that the Lions are underdogs in a lot of stuff. And I think from the perspective that while they did make improvements, did they make enough improvements? And I think that it's really like a wait and see thing. So I don't think Vegas is going to, is going to take any of that stuff into account until they can see things. Right. And Chris, you mentioned that, like, I mean, the preseason's going to happen. Injuries are going to happen. We even had Ruben Foster who was carted off. Like I only think the three lines here that matter is the pick against Arizona uh, chargers chargers minus four. And that's at Detroit too, which that's surprising to me that they are a, that they are a road favorite that lions are giving you four points as a home dog. And then Philadelphia at Philadelphia, they're favored by eight. I think those are the only three lines that will kind of stick around. Like everything else here is on chalk right now and will be erased very quickly. I mean, I think everything is on chalk because your team is never going to be as healthy as it was going to be mm-hmm. after today. Like that's just the fact of the matter. So, I mean, injuries are going to happen. Preseason is going to happen. There's going to be a lot that's going to happen in between now and then. When I'm looking at the lines for, uh, the odds to win the NF the NFC North even. Okay. The Bears are at plus one seventy. The Packers are at plus one ninety. The Vikings are at plus two thirty. The Lions are plus one thousand. Yeah. Wow. It's not even close. You know what I mean? Like, I mean they're they <laughs> share they share similar odds of winning their division as do the Giants at plus twelve hundred. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers that are at plus eleven hundred. I mean but I, I mean, think the national perceptions, the Lions are they're We have to see whether or not they're going to be good or not. Yeah, and I don't want to feed too much into the Detroit versus everybody morass, and I don't think anyone here does. Like, the national media, when they do say good things about the Lions, we at least notice on Pride of Detroit. I don't think other people notice, and it's a lot easier for fans on Twitter who run the accounts running Detroit versus everybody, and the Lion, this is the Lions year and everything. It's easy for them to tune that out and then tune in stuff like this and say the Lions are being disrespected and to gin that up. But expectations are not high for the Lions. That's just the high and low of it right now. It's it's a very negative atmosphere for the team. And if you're mad at that, then you have nothing to blame except for 2018. True. It's true. Like, that's that, well, that's what's on record. And honestly, 1958 through 2018, if we're being completely I mean, honest. We're we're talking about in the immediate aftermath of a new coach, right. the season he had, and the team that is there right now, which again has lost Golden Tate, had an let's just say interesting draft. But guess what? You you, you might want to say, oh, there's places where the Lions have improved. They got Snacks Harrison, but guess what? 31 other teams are also trying to improve as well. Some are doing better at improving than others. And the Lions aren't the one who who are improving the most. And and if they are, that doesn't mean that improving the most means that they are now the best or whatever. So I don't know. I'm I'm very yeah. optimistic about this team right now. I'm I'm, I'm oh, going to be straight with you. Uh It's May. Not not, not this team's going to the playoffs and winning multiple playoff games or anything like that. But the fact that the Vegas over under on, on wins for the Lions right now is set at six and a half to me is a little ludicrous. I think this team is a lot better than a half game better than last year. And sure injuries could derail the season very, very quickly, but defensively, I think this roster is so much better than it was last year. Offensively work in progress. Won't, won't sugarcoat that it's a work in progress, but Ryan- it was bad last year. Ryan, that plus 1,000 is sticking in my craw. Like, would you take that bet, Lions, for the division plus 1,000? Would I put well, money on it? Significant my, money on it. I think my buddy Bovada King would probably throw like $10 on it. But just $10. <laughs> I mean, if I told I think, you you have to bet $200 for on one team to be the NFC North lead, uh, winner. It's not going to be the Lions, not even at that okay. odd. Yeah, okay. not, not 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 at those odds. Yeah, I mean, I mean you're, obviously, you're that's, that's asking him to put money on that. something that hasn't happened in 28 years. I know, I know, but I'm just I'm just <laughs> illustrating the point here. Yeah, <laughs> once the money's on the table, suddenly it's really hard to say that the Lions will be the kings in the North. Right, and I would I would not do that either. The, the, as as someone as optimistic as a, as I am about the but team you right also now. don't really gamble like Bovada no, King sixty nine. But I, that's very true. I'm just saying I'm confident Bovada in the King team, but not relative to, to the rest of the division. 
when 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 the money gets put on the table, Bovada King goes Packers because he's not putting it on Mitch Trubisky. He's not putting it on Kirk Cousins. And he's not going to put it on like <laughs> like Jeremy said, something that hasn't happened in 28 years. So uh a random know. question that popped into yeah. my head. Do the do the Lions have the best Michigan State quarterback on their team? Okay. Mm. <laughs> Tell you what, we have that question. I was going to say, we have that question and the mailbag coming up next. Pride of Detroit, PODcast. Mail time. Hashtag ask POD. As always, get your questions in using our hashtag, our proprietary hashtag. I own it. Do not steal. Uh, some people have been using the hashtag to tell me how much I suck. And if you want to tell me how much I suck, make sure to include at Detroit online in there. <laughs> not because I want Jeremy to know, but I just Snitch want on him. No, I just want I just want your mentions cluttered. That's all I, I need. I need. If I am going to suck, I want it to inconvenience you in just oh, a little which way. Don't worry. I'll just post a dog picture and my mentions will just be full of likes of that because that's easy Twitter bait dog it pictures. Is. What if I start posting? Do I need to post more pictures of my cat again? Absolutely. Okay, cool. We might as well start there, actually, then with a question from Megan Nisbet. How is Jeremy's new roommate? <laughs> so, again, we've been hinting at it. And if you follow him at Detroit Online, you know. Jeremy has a puppy and yeah. miraculously it has not made a sound throughout this entire podcast. And I haven't edited out any sound either. He's literally slept at the base of this lamp the entire time. He's awesome. His name's Zazu. He's a 12 week old hound puppy mix. Uh, he's, he's been amazing this, this first weekend. I got him on Friday and I was just telling you guys, like I feel like the first few days he was just, he was, kind of timid so he's he's feeling everything out he likes me a lot so he's just sticking near me listening to me now he's starting to get a little comfortable now he's starting to chew on some things now he's starting to pull on the walk so now is going to be i think week two is going to be the difficult week but so far he's been like he's been perfect hasn't cried in his cage at night i left for an hour today and i actually being the nervous dad that I am, I, I recorded him the, the entire time to see how long he was whining. He whined for like five minutes and then he's quiet the rest of the time. It's good. It's good now. He's a heckin' good pupper. He's a heckin' good pupper. 10 out of heckin 10. Heckin' good. Heckin' good. The good boy. Wow. He's looking at me now. That, that's interactive podcasting right there. <laughs> that's what I like to say. We start now with a question before we get into the rest of the mailbag that I pose to you. Uh, and that is, I want reactions to this tweet, which got dragged appropriately. At NFL Draft, this was on the night of the NBA draft lottery. At NFL Draft says, hey, NFL, we want a draft lottery too. Just base reactions. Open to the open to the crowd here, Ryan, Jeremy. My my first reaction is fear that they're actually serious, because the NFL. I mean, there's no doubt the in the long term the NFL would profit from a lot. They could make it a huge event, just like the NBA does. It would be crazy successful. They they earn so much money about just TV rights and drumming up so much excitement because fans would eventually get excited about it, but. God, it's an awful idea. If if your concern is is keeping the league quote unquote fair, God, it's an awful idea. I hope they aren't serious. I I think it was just a joke, but nothing would surprise me at this point. And and I just oh God, please don't have a friggin' lottery in the NFL. Please don't don't do it. Don't be surprised the depths at which the NFL would stoop to win at capitalism. <laughs> I was going to say, if you want things to be fair and also very capitalist, there shouldn't even be a draft to begin with. You should, I'm, I'm dead serious about that. I saw it in the wake of the NBA. 
there's only so many places on a roster. Maybe it's harder to do in football. I mean, you could definitely not have a lottery. I mean, not have a draft in basketball. There's only 15 spots on those rosters. But like, why should I? I'm always pressed by this question. Why should you reward the crappy teams out there? The crappy teams, especially nowadays, too, when crappy in sports no longer means like, oh, we're getting outbid for all of the players and more means, oh, we just didn't really feel like putting in enough resources and effort into getting those players. I did not think this mailbag was going to start with you defending capitalism and putting down socialism, essentially. I mean, that's that. <laughs> that's the crazy thing about it, right? <laughs> is that the is that if you want to talk about controlled economies, American sports are right there. It's still not as bad as MLS, a single entity league or whatever, but it's right there, man. It's right there. I'm just saying like, you want to talk about fair, what's right in sports? Let, I mean, European soccer ain't got a draft. They punish people who are, who are shitty. There's no relegation, relegation baby. There's no draft in, in the Premier League. You think, you think uh, Dunwich or, or whoever is getting, is getting a first round pick? No, 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 no. Dunwich right. sounds like a Harry Potter thing to me. Is that a Harry Potter? It probably thing? is actually. <laughs> That's the problem with the North of England. I don't know anymore. <laughs> Next question. N.E. Shaw asking us, and oh, here's a hashtag I haven't seen in a while. Here's something to get the cackles going. Hashtag car talk. Oh, shit. Would you allow the other members of the POD to choose the make and model of a car that you would buy within your means or the color of the car make and model of your choice? I think I would rather let you guys choose the make and model of my car than the color. (laughs) I think I'm in the same boat. I'm not. I mean, fans of the show know that most of us are not big car aficionados. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? Yeah, let's get all about the horse, the horses. We're all about uh, cars, you know, like we are big gearheads. I mean, I just changed the uh, Cadillac converter on my uh, on, on my on my hog. You, you can't even riff a car. <laughs> You're really this is really this is really we just got to go back to more horsepower is what we got to do. Yeah, I don't think Cadillac converters are even on. Are they even on cars anymore? I think that's like more car talk here yeah. from AA from Aaron Thompson. Who would actually win in a drag race? A souped up muscle car or some dumb horse? Um, I want to real quick talk about why I loved watching the Preakness this last weekend. And it's because oh, right, God, out of the yes, gate, yes. right out of the gate, that horse bucked that jockey off. And I have never rooted for something so intensely than I did Run, that, damn horse, wild. that horse to win the race without a jockey. <laughs> would that count? Does that count? No, no, he would have been disqualified. Like it's, it's because so there's no garbage. jockey riding. It. That's so garbage. I would have, isn't the jockey like an advantage though? No, that's like, like guiding 20 pounds. The horse has to carry, but he's got, he's motivating. If, if the jockeys are holding let's, them let's back, see how you why do are we just I, racing horses without jockeys? Let's see how you do when I put 120 pounds on your back and tell you how to run a race. No. <laughs> but why aren't, why aren't we just racing horses? Why, why we got to soup up horses with people? Just race the horses. I, I was going to say, like, what Chris just wanted to do to Jeremy sounds like a lot what the Detroit Lions did to Barry Sanders in the 90s. <laughs> Oh, wow. Wow. We're really getting uh, dark here. I have no response for that. All right. A little bit of a uh, older question here, but I want to get to a few of these here. Let's get to one from Marco, uh, who asks us. Thank you. My son outgrew his Megatron jersey. Who should I get him now? Keep in mind, I have uh, Jeremy's luck with jerseys. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, is everyone. Just the keeps... jerseys you're, well, is it just the jerseys you wear, or like any jersey you buy, Marco? Do you have to? Do you have to? So, would we want him to pick somebody we want to fail? <laughs> I mean, that's huh. that's kind of how he's 
suggesting and it's everyone keeps saying I need to yeah. buy an Aaron Rodgers jersey and based on the last couple of years I think people probably thought I did but uh, I haven't um I mm. I don't know if if you're trying like if it's a legitimate question and you want to try to get a Lions jersey that might last you a long time I don't know who do you think right now is going to be the best line that lasts the longest from this date right now that's actually an interesting question. Okay. Mm. I have my answer. Go is it carry on Johnson? No, it's T Staber. <laughs> <laughs> that Jersey might be worthless by September. <laughs> let's get a, let's get a question here. That's more your size than Ryan from at, from at Idaho sign boss, our friend Blake Berry. What is the worst hangover you have ever had? <laughs> I've, Ryan, take the floor. I'm going to step away. I've, I've, I've never had one of those before. Never? Nope. Is it because you're continually drunk? Nope. It's just because I haven't. Um, To answer Jeremy's question in a real fashion, though, I think the jersey you'd probably want to buy would be... Well, if you're going to give me just dead air on here, (laughs) I will answer the, the hangover question. And that Are you is trying to do the John Cena drop there. <laughs> no, no, no. We've got plenty of mailbag and only 10 minutes in. You're, you're not free yet, my man. I think it'd be uh, Kenny Galladay, but go ahead, Chris. Galladay. No, no. Galladay is a good one. Galladay is a good one. I would say um, my worst hangover. I've had a lot in my life. Uh, the most recent one was w- when I was with you idiots in Grand Rapids. We went up to the Griffins game <laughs> for $2 hockey and beer uh, for two dollar beer and hot dog night and then we decided to double dip and went to founders right after yeah i ate a lot of hot dogs that night i also had one of those devil dancer sandwiches at founders devil dancer sandwiches fantastic it did not end well your your colon danced with the devil (laughs) and lost (laughs) lost (laughs) an arduous Uh battle I also have had not had beer that cheap in a long time. So uh, like, yeah, what can, what can I say? What, what can I say? I, I know that our good friend um, at big slick McDick showed up mm-hmm. and why yeah, can friend I end of the show friend of the show been on several list cast veteran of the N64 list cast. <laughs> and I was completely taken by him. I know our friend Beast F Ball showed up and I was very taken by him. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's that's what he says on Twitter a lot. And I was very drunk. Very, 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 very drunk. Good time. Okay. Next question here we have from Jacob Music. Can we sub Chris out for Jerry? Chris doesn't even know anything about the Lions. Once again, uh, Jacob, you've made the problem that you did not tag in at Detroit Online. You know, I wouldn't be too upset with that, Chris. I mean, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, we I wouldn't be upset with that. We haven't had a good Wizenator talk in a while. We really, we really need more of it. I heard a great story um, the other day, actually, about Speaking of Wizenator, uh, it was about, I forget who it was, but it was about someone trying out, for, someone, an NBA player going in for Olympic basketball who had like a fake penis for like his urine to avoid a, uh, a, a, a drug test. Are we going to get into this? Yes. <laughs> I don't remember anything else to the story though. So it's. You're talking uh, about the recent story? Yeah. Yes. The recent Lam- one. Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. He had he had a, a fake penis to skirt a assured drug test. Now the thing the <laughs> an assured positive drug test. But the the thing that really caught me about that story was at the end that the person who accepted the sample like didn't do any of the testing. They just felt how warm it was and said. Yep. Welcome to Team USA. Like <laughs> at that at that point, like if you're Lamar Odom, if do you say oh, I went to such great lengths to skirt a failed drug test that all I needed was warm urine? Like you you immediately start laughing at yourself, right? Like you have to. 
No, you think better he, safe than sorry. You think he sent the Wizenator back to Amazon in a box? I I would try to return it because <laughs> I'm cheap. You you are cheap. Uh, that's for sure. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm finding us one. Yeah, well, I mean that comes with being cheap. So, <laughs> not <laughs> or, necessarily. I mean, I mean poor um, cheap comes with being poor. I should say. I'm not quite okay. Question here from Restore the Roar. Which tight end do you see foresee being the most productive offensively this year? Hmm. That word offensively is strange in this context. I think I think he's trying to say statistically, because obviously a tight end can't really, I mean, unless you're talking special teams, contribute in any other way. Because I mean, actually, that's kind of an interesting question because I think most assume it's going to be TJ Hawkinson, but Jesse James could theoretically, I think, have a, a similar or, or maybe even a slightly better statistical output. I don't think so, though. I think Hawkinson is is their guy. Like, don't you think they – like, if you were to set an over-under on the difference in both those players' snap counts, like, what would you say? Like, would a good number be like fifty? Uh, yeah. at the yeah. end of the year, a total of fifty different snaps. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not going to be much. It's it really isn't. So, I mean, with both of them having equal opportunity, it comes down to targets. But then also, if you're asking which is going to have a bigger impact, like offensively, you're also I think you also have to take into account like blocking. Right, of course which isn't really quantifiable outside of taking a look at pro football focus. Right. <clears throat> that's, I mean, that's a tough question. Cause I do think it's going to change as, as the year goes on too. Right. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see Jesse James kind of start out the season as the number one, essentially while, while Hawkinson gets his feet wet. Cause we saw, we saw how long they, they took Harry on Johnson to, to get acclimated to the offense last year, you have to imagine Hawkinson's going to have at least that sort of a learning curve, um, especially when you consider the the amount it takes for for some tight ends to adjust to life in the NFL. But yeah, you know, I, I'm still going to pick Hawkinson just because I think by week four or five he's going to be the number one, and and I, I think he's probably the better receiving threat of the two. We haven't really seen Jesse James put up more than what like 350 yards in a season. I, I think I, I'm not expecting Hawkinson to like have 800 receiving yards, but I think it'll hit 400. All right. Last question here from the cobbler at New Zealand lion. Would you rather kiss a goat every day for a year and no one knows you did it or never do it, but everyone thinks you did. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is a game of would you rather, huh? I, I mean, uh, we have the duck question, the horse and duck question here. So it was either we end the <laughs> podcast on that or this. Well, now I'm interested in what the horse and duck question is. It's it's the hundred ducks or a duck sized horse. That thing. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah. So would I rather kiss a goat for the rest of my life? No, day every year. For a, year. For a day, day every for year, year and no one knows about it. Or you don't kiss the goat, but everyone thinks you did. I don't have an aversion to kissing a goat. I guess I never have. Yeah, sure. Um, I I don't have like an aversion to it, and I don't really care whether or not people think I'm a goat kisser. But at the same time, I don't know. Maybe I might find a goat that I think is. Yeah. What? Wait, no, fin- please finish with that thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, when a man finds a goat, you know? Um, it's like that song. Yeah. When a man loves a goat. Loves a goat. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're not promoting that. bestiality on the Pride of Detroit podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I probably just would let people think what they want to think of me as a goat kisser and not kiss the goat. Are we talking about Barry Sanders? I was going to ask, are we talking about an actual animal? Or are we talking about Barry Sanders? Cause I'll kiss Barry Sanders for every day for a year. Like I'll do it when I'm tucking him in at night. 
Read him a bedtime story. Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side.